Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Gray Scott. On this show, we address the challenges faced in today's church and culture in a postmodern, post-Christian era. Dr. Haley believes that in addressing those issues, the church must have a missional mindset. Christianity does have the answers of today's culture. Let's join Dr. Haley for today's conversation. Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Gray Scott and co-host Hannah Greaser, a show where we explore some of the most important pressing ministry issues related to Christianity in today's culture. Today we are talking about sex trafficking, a topic that is not often talked about enough. Um, It has been in the recent headlines with the Nexium organization. Just on June 30th, Smallville actress Allison Mack was sentenced to three years for her role in the sex cult Nexium. She was also the lead deputy and recruiter. And Hannah, what can, what totally surprises me about this is how women are used in sex trafficking rings to sort of recruit women. I mean, that's so surprising to me. Right. It, I mean, it blows my mind anyway, just the concept of how something like this can happen. And then you throw in that and it's like, I, I don't understand the psychology. And I agree with what you said. It's, it's almost like it's become um, kind of a flashy headline topic, but I don't think we, we dive in to understand it enough. It's almost like, oh, wow, that's so horrible. And we don't think about it. So I'm excited to kind of pick apart, you know, what sex trafficking is and why. Right. You <laughs> know, when I've worked with downtown women in downtown Denver, you know, the sex trafficking is a, an important topic among them, but it's never something you hear a lot on television, radio. Right. And so I am so excited to have with us today um, Ryan Berg, who is who is in this area. He has dedicated years of his life to ministry um, with sex trafficked victims. He has lived and worked in the United States, China, and India, providing strategic leadership in the creation and development of nonprofit organizations that seek the betterment of individuals and communities. His most recent work is a freedom business, bringing and sustaining freedom to exploited women through employment marketed by holistic care. Um, Ryan, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. I truly appreciate it. Ryan, I, you know, like we said, you know, sex trafficking is not often brought to our attention enough, you know, in the cultural Mm -hmm. discussions, you know, even on social media or uh, various other mediums. We are just not educated enough in um, what's actually happening in this area. And I am so curious to hear about um, what first drew your interest or stoked your passion to this area for sex trafficking? Sure. Uh, you know, quite honestly, similar to you, there was, there was, it wasn't a part of, I, I didn't know it existed, quite honestly. Um, prior to first being exposed to it, movies like, you know, Taken with Liam Neeson hadn't come out yet. So, you know, it wasn't Hollywoodized where people are popping pants and rescuing girls. Um, instead, for me, I, I literally just saw a, a brief little headline on a news ticker that made reference to 12 children being rescued from a brothel. And, and I thought, what? I thought, this exists? And it just so happened that after having seen that headline, I was actually headed to the country um, 
where this headline was was originating from. And so I started to do some research and realized the very location that I was going to was a significant destination location for sex trafficking. And uh, and I told my wife, I said, well, if 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 this is happening in the very place where I'm heading, I'm I'm going to I'm going to find it. If there's anything that we can do, we've got to we've got to consider doing something. And uh, and that basically started us on this trajectory of of really trying to discover how we can help. That reminds me of uh, my friend Christine Kane, who um, has ministered to, you know, she's from Greece or her heritage Mm -hmm. is from Greece. And so she's established ministries trying to help trafficked women in those areas. And, you know, she told me that she showed up at an airport and she saw a like a brochure on the wall of this airport about sex traffic victims. And she's like. God, this is something that I have to do. And so she immediately mm-hmm. launched into her ministry for that. It's just something that she instantly connected with. But, you know, mm-hmm. when you do hear those news items about brothels, you you just hear, oh, they were they were rescued. But then you don't actually ever hear about them unpacking about the idea of brothels. Yeah, I feel like I have cool. to hear how did how did the rest of that initial trip go? Like that's cool that it wasn't a coincidence that you saw that headline and then you went to that country and I mean that's that's bold of you. I'm I'm curious to see how that trip went. Yeah, we actually, you know, I was there I was headed there for uh something else related to work, but uh found this particular area and found a particular this particular brothel and uh it was the middle of the afternoon but as soon as i stepped into the entryway it was it was pitch black you know there were just rats all over the place oh my gosh as i pressed in a little bit further it was it was literally the smell of stale urine and, and i started moving up the stairs and i could start to hear the sound of abuse and I got to the top of that flight of stairs and it opened into a long corridor. And there was literally just woman after woman lined up in front of these small little closet-sized rooms with just these mattresses and pool curtains. And and I was so naive. I didn't I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. You know, I I, I I'm sure I mumbled something about hope for you know a brighter future, or, you know, something like that. But you know, if I could if I could be honest but blunt hope had been raped out of them years before and and i stepped out onto the street and honestly i i just wept i thought this i've never seen slavery face to face like this and you know and as as followers of christ we just i was one of those unique moments in time where i was like okay lord if if you want us to engage in this i'm i'm in i'm all in of course i needed to come back here and I have a lot of conversations with my wife and and uh, things like that, but we we decided that they were in, and we actually went back to that area, embedded in the area for a number of months, and simply tried to understand, tried to understand the issue, tried to understand what solutions were being provided, met with you know government officials, NGO workers, the women in the area, and we just asked a thousand questions from mission you know, vision, values, methods, constraints, anything we could. We were, we just wanted to get our arms around the issue to see, is there anything that we have to offer? Is there any way that we could help, you know, fill a gap or something like that? And so that was a, it was significant for us to be able to actually try and do that, um, 
that research and, and just understand it better and actually try and develop out a solution that met a significant need. Mm. That that image, you, you described it so clearly. It's devastating. And I just going back a few steps, could you even define the terms of what sex trafficking is? And even, I don't know what country you're in, but in places or different places, is it like if you see an, a situation like that happening, it's not like you can just say, this is wrong and bust it out. Like, I guess my question is, <laughs> if it's not, are there places where it's not illegal, where it just happens and there's there's structural things that you can't do? Yeah, absolutely. So the the, the typical definition that, you know, that's, that's stated within the United Nations and, and, you know, pretty much everyone adheres to is the idea that it's it's typically a person in a position of relative power of some sort using force, fraud, or coercion over those who are in a less powerful position or, or in some sort of vulnerability in, in order to obtain something from them, typically through forced labor or commercial sexual exploitation. And so it's those are kind of the key factors, is, it, is the force, the fraud, the coercion. Um, and there's usually a power dynamic there, and there's an exchange of one thing for another. Um, the the interesting way that it that you know you kind of can almost kind of categorize it is um, typically there's going to be the act you know what is what is done in terms of trafficking so it's going to be recruitment transportation you know transferring harboring a person uh, there's the means there's essentially how it's done and that's through force or coercion or abduction you know, fraud, deception, maybe even abuse and violence, um, perhaps payments or benefits. And then, and then there's also essentially the purpose. It's, it's the why it's being done. And that's typically going to be for exploitation, um, to be able to, to exploit a person so that you can actually gain something from that exploitation. So, you know, in the, in, for sex trafficking in particular, it's exploiting typically a woman over and over and over again to be able to to make a lot of money off of her. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of that that kind of gives you the broad definition of uh, you know of human trafficking and, and the primary elements of how it works um, in in the country in which we do the majority of our operation. It's it is 100% illegal. Um, however, there is a significant amount of corruption. So, um, you know, it, it's there have been times where I'm inside that particular brothel and there's a police vehicle parked outside and, you know, someone's just sleeping there and the partner's inside actually having sex with one of the women. And so it's uh, it, it, there's some real challenges to that sort of work when the rule of law bends in favor of those who are actually doing the trafficking. Wow. So, um, you know, and I had a conversation with your wife at the Christian Leadership Alliance, and uh, she did mention India. Is India the the area that you primarily do your ministry to? Yeah, so we primarily work in India, um, and, and we're an international human rights organization, so uh, that, that's where we do the majority of our work, and... And then we also employ women who have been freed 
here within the U.S. as well. Right. Can you expand a little bit on the maybe the psychological factors that make you know young men are also have also been trafficked as well as women Mm -hmm. and um, what are some of the psychological factors it may break down differently according to country like in India perhaps it may be uh, poverty is the driving force that that uh, makes women um, entrapped in in this into sex trafficking whereas in America it might be uh, depend, chemical dependence of some sort. Can you break down like the psychological factors that that may make people vulnerable to people who have nefarious motives in mind to to pull them into sex trafficking? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I th- you you identified it without um, you know going into the particulars, but you you identified clearly that there's vulnerabilities, and it's and it's almost always someone who's in a position of vulnerability and we typically think of think of that in in you know four general categories of there being some sort of an emotional vulnerability whether that you know individual just feels like they're utterly alone feels like no one actually cares for them notices them that sort of thing um you know, a trafficker can, can pick up on, on that pretty quickly. And, and most traffickers, especially here in the U.S., will, you know, even even online, start to kind of pull that thread of giving attention and befriending and, um, you know, kind of playing on that vulnerability of, of being in, a, in an emotional state where they're, you know, they want something. Um, the second, I, I think, is relational, and that kind of ties a little bit to the emotional, but um, in a relational, you know, vulnerability could be that the, the child was abused, um, you know, by those that, that were supposed to be trusted. And so as a, as a child, you know, being abused up through the course of their life presents significant vulnerability. Um, we also think, like you identified, relate, or, uh, financial um that poverty is a significant driving factor, and then also just environmental. Um, depending on what environment a person has grown up in and what is kind of deemed socially acceptable or unsocially acceptable within that, that sort of environment, um, all of those factors kind of, kind of coming together can create significant vulnerabilities so that when you know, a, a, a trafficker comes along, and particularly like in a U.S. context, starts to pay a lot of attention, starts to, you know, befriend them in such a way where it's focused attention related to some sort of connection. I'm like, a, hey, we're both from Atlanta. I know you like the Atlanta Braves, you know, the baseball team. So do I, you know, it starts to connect in that sort of way and then starts to move down the path of intoxicating the person with vulnerabilities, just overwhelming them with attention and gifts and compliments and praise things that that person may have never experienced before. And then the next step is to start to alienate that person, start to undermine existing relationships that that may be there with family members or friends, start to alienate and start to separate that person so they can get them to the point of, you know, kind of the next step of isolating where they almost create like a singular dependence upon the trafficker and so they, their only real interaction is with the trafficker. And at that point, that trafficker starts to, to desensitize the person in many ways. 
and starts to develop increased dependency on drugs or alcohol or, or other sorts of things. And then essentially the last stages, they start to, to capitalize. And throughout that whole process, there's, you know, it, from one person to another, it might go much faster, it might go much slower, but there, there's always going to be that sort of force or fraud or coercion, but definitely significant manipulation based on the vulnerabilities. You know what comes to mind when I hear you talk about these steps is, you know, the super high-profile case of Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein, of mm-hmm. how uh, Jeffrey Epstein utilized his relationship with Ghislaine Maxwell to procure young women who may have not had good family relationships. They mm-hmm. may have had all these vulnerabilities that that you just spoke of and i think that that's a really good illustration i mean you can correct me if i'm wrong but i when i'm listening to you i'm thinking Ghislaine maxwell and jeffrey epstein as primary Mm -hmm. examples of how this sex trafficking works because that one story has shed a light on sex trafficking you know just here in the united states among high profile leaders sure sure and I will, I'll, I'll, you know, in many ways even talk about the, the, the power dynamic is, is very significant typically in, in trafficking. But then secondly is also the, the addiction. And that's, that's something where it, you know, a trafficker, you know, gets pretty smart and wise in the way of doing what they're doing to the point where they'll, they'll get the addiction right on the edge of, the trafficking victim desperately needing it, but not so much, not to the point where they're so sick that they're not able to actually go out and, you know, perform the sex acts that they, they need them to do to earn the money. And so they've, they, they kind of walk that line with them, but it can get to the point where, where that woman, you know, she may be willing to endure incredible suffering out on that street doing things that no one would choose to do and she may be doing it for 15 years and Mm. completely lose herself and and yet that that substance that chemical dependency has become such a significant sort of weapon that the trafficker uses um, it becomes a very very complex issue to try and actually help the trafficking victim work through both the trauma as well as the addiction, as well as some of the vulnerabilities that, that, you know, almost kind of set that person up to begin with. So there's a lot of layers of work that needs to be done just in, in terms of helping mm. uh, the trafficking victim. And when I think about all the vulnerabilities that y'all stated too, it's, it's, it seems like it's happening to people who've already had a very rough life that have already had, you know, situations that have put them in a state of hopelessness or just away from truth and as a believer you know that makes me really sad because it it like you said there's just so many layers um and i it's so clear to see that this is an issue that's on you know god's heart to completely eradicate because it's so full of evil and um you know just a like how common is it in the united states for people who may have a um an exoticized view of it where it's like, well, that's just far and few between far away and it's not really affecting my community. Like how can we paint a picture of the scope that would really um, 
drill down how horrible this is because from everything you've just said we know it's bad but what is the scope of the badness yeah <laughs> like how, how common sure. is it actually in the united states like is this happening underneath our noses everywhere or is this just you know a few hot spots mm-hmm. um well to, to kind of frame it in perspective there um if you combine both like the international labor organization and the walk free foundation and a number of these organizations that do more kind of the global look into uh slavery around the world and and just to be clear there's different forms of slavery there's different forms of trafficking sex trafficking happens to be you know kind of a subcategory to to multiple different types of trafficking but typically they're they can be summarized into two categories one which would be like forced labor um which in many ways the you know those organizations report on those statistics would say within forced labor there's there's close to 25 million people around the world in in some sort of forced labor which you know could be state imposed forced labor and prison systems around the world or it could be labor exploitation um, you know using children in war some of those sort of things um, the second that those organizations would basically say the second category would be forced marriages which affect you know about 15 million people around the world um, and so it's so with those two sort of categories you get a you get a, a, a a look into kind of the scope and the scale of what these larger organizations would refer to as, you know, global slavery. Um, if we're talking just specifically sex trafficking and just specifically within the U.S., uh, sex trafficking has actually been reported in all 50 states within within the U.S. Now, it, it does look different, and the scope and the scale is different than you know than other countries um and so even some of the methods and some of the way that things operate are different so like i was referring to earlier here where it may be more of a sort of a romeo pimp sort of scenario uh through manipulating vulnerabilities and then getting someone hooked on substance uh in india for example that's not typically the method it's going to be it's going to be more by force by by violence um, and there's not going to typically be chemical dependencies. It's those primarily because of the poverty. So all that to say, it does look different, um, but it is it is here and it is present. Um, and there are a number of great entities and organizations that are doing a tremendous amount of work to try and help bring an end to it here in the U.S. Yeah, uh, we're right up against a clock, but I. I, my final question for you is, why do you think that this is such an underreported topic? Quite honestly, I think it's, I think, A, it's a very uncomfortable topic for a lot of people. Um, I, I think a lot of people want to try and keep things that are uncomfortable. They want to try and keep them at arm's length. Uh, and so I think it's a very uncomfortable topic. Uh, two, I think it, it does affect some groups of people that maybe most people don't interact with on a on a you know daily basis, and so it feels kind of out of sight, out of mind. But I will qualify this, even even though I mentioned those vulnerabilities and it's you know those vulnerabilities are preyed upon. That could that could be anyone. It doesn't have to be just someone coming out of poverty or or something like that. It can be you know th- those vulnerabilities can be preyed upon 
Um, you know, traffickers are, are smart in the way that they do that. But but also, you know, we don't we don't have to be afraid that they're going to just nab somebody out of a Walmart parking lot. That's not typically how things are done either. And so um, I would say here it's it's typically that um, it's uncomfortable and it doesn't affect people's daily lives. And so in those two ways, it's it's easy for it to it to kind of slip past our sight. And that's sort of that's so tragic, especially as our culture is so concerned with um, social justice right now. And this would be, you know, one issue that desperately needs the attention of, you know, of justice. I mean, we, we do need to bring justice to this area for these people who are entrapped, whether it be through chemical dependency or um, through poverty or even sometimes I know that from previous work that I've done with with women that they often get in higher levels of sex trafficking. They get accustomed to a, a um, affluent lifestyle when they become sure. escorts or something like that for for businessmen and things like that. I know that that's an issue here in the Denver metro area, and it's very hard to pull women out of that lifestyle when they're so accustomed to such an affluent lifestyle, and then you have yeah. to say, okay, let's get out, and they have no job skills, and so they end up working at McDonald's, and their lifestyle is gone, and they can't provide for their children the way they did previously, and so it's a very complicated issue, and it's something that we really need to draw attention to in order to be comprehensive in our approach to social justice. And, you know, mm -hmm. Ryan, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Um, um, listeners, be sure to check out next week. We're going to continue our conversation with Ryan about the work that he's been doing in freeing women and helping them to gain employment skills and life skills. So be sure to check in with us next week and on the next podcast. You've been listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Gray Scott and Hannah Greaser. Um, check out our website at www.christiancurious.co and stay curious. Thank you for listening to Christian Curious. You can contact Dr. Haley at Haley, H-A-L-E-E, at christiancurious.co. That's H-A-L-E-E -E at ChristianCurious.co. Catch all the episodes on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also learn more at www.ChristianCurious.co.